holiday season? us. 
fullness that we can have. Peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. And that peace, friends, cannot be found in anything else this world has to offer. But that peace, that shalom, that complete contentment, is also a gift that is available in Jesus. And there is a similarity to the gifts that we receive here on earth. There is a similarity in that they must be received. These are offered to all. But we know that some will reject them. But when we believe on the message, when we believe on Jesus Christ, the gift of hope and peace the Messiah, the Lord. And last week, we spent some time dissecting these verses in light of the message of peace that the angels came to broadcast in verse 14. Today, we're going to focus on the joy that the angels announce in verse 10. The joy that this good news brings. This child that was born in Bethlehem, we see in verse 11, has three titles. Luke describes three titles for this baby. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Savior that's come to save us from our sins. He is the Messiah, the one that was predicted by the Old Testament prophets hundreds of years ago, the Messiah, the one that the nation of Israel had been looking forward to for hundreds of years. And this Savior, this Messiah, is the Lord. He is God. He is the God of creation come to earth in human form. So this news, this, this gospel, this should bring joy 
Actually, it says great joy for all the people. I mean, the Christmas carol even says it. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. But what is joy? Well, if we look to Webster's, Webster's defines joy as a feeling of great happiness, a source or cause of great happiness, something or someone that gives joy to someone. goes on to say it is an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Now, this definition here leads us to believe that joy is found in our circumstances. That joy is found in what we have. Joy is found in our stuff. But that cannot be true. Because, friends, the United States is the richest country in the world. By the world standards, we are rich. I don't care what part of the country you live in, we are rich. We have more stuff, we have more possessions than anyone else in the entire world. Yet, despite the fact that we only have 6% of the world's population, we take 90% of the world's tranquilizers. What does that tell you? And some of the richest people in this world are also some of the most miserable. So that tells me that Webster's is a little off in their definition of joy. Obviously, since they equate joy with happiness. But those are not the same things. Joy and happiness are different. Happiness is something that you experience based on your circumstances. Happiness is temporary since your circumstances are constantly changing. So here's the key to great joy. Joy is not found in what you have. Rather, it is found in what cannot be taken from you. Let me say that again. Joy is not found in what you have. Rather, it is found in what cannot be taken from you. It's not based on your circumstances. It's not based on your stuff. It's, it's not a warm, fuzzy feeling that you get. Joy is dependent on who Jesus is. Not on who we are and what's going on around us. Jesus is is the Savior of the world. He's the Messiah. He is the God of creation. Jesus brings joy. So this morning, there's three things that I want us to know about joy and how to receive it. The first thing that I want us to understand is that joy is a journey. Joy is a journey. Consider for a moment some of the other characters from the Christmas story. The wise men. The wise men. We read about them in Matthew chapter 2. If you want to flip over there, we're going to look at a few verses from that story. And like the shepherds, their story begins after Christ is born. Actually, several months after. 
And this also is a story that is probably very familiar to you guys. We see it every year. Actually, there's a song written about it, right? We three kings of Orient are. Actually, that song is quite historically incorrect. There weren't three. It was actually a, probably a great company of wise men. They weren't kings. The Greek word magi from the original text is a word that's used to describe astronomers and astrologers. So they weren't, they, they weren't kings. At least the song was correct in saying that they were from the east. They were from the Orient. And it's likely that they had been among Jews who had been exiled from Judah and Israel centuries before. And because they were in that, they were more than likely familiar with the prophecies of the Old Testament, prophecies predicting the coming of the Messiah. And like the rest of Israel, they were probably looking forward with great anticipation to his arrival. So when they see this star, they follow it to Jerusalem. And in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, it tells us that they came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, I want you to notice that it says his star, his star. So the Magi, knowing the Messianic predictions from the Old Testament, saw this as a fulfillment of the prophecy that we see in, November, uh, in Numbers chapter 24, which says, a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. So this was a fulfillment of those prophecies. This had to get these guys excited. That's why they followed the star to Jerusalem. But then Herod, Herod, who was a really, really bad guy, we won't get into a lot of details about his life, but he hears this and he gathers all the chief priests and the scribes and he, and he, and he asks them, say, uh, guys, where exactly is this supposed to be happening? And the chief priests and the scribes, they quote from Micah 5, verse 2, and they tell Herod that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. So the chief priests and the scribes, they know that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. And what's truly ironic about this is that they, they could tell where the Messiah was going to be born, but they didn't go to worship him. See, they rejected the truth about Jesus. They were indifferent. The wise men expected that the chief priests and the scribes would be excited about this. But that wasn't the case. But Herod, who was really worried that any kind of a king might pose a threat to his rule and reign, he tells the wise men, you know, go check this out. And then come back and talk to me because I want to then go and worship him too. Which is a lie because what Herod wants to do is go and kill the child and thereby eliminate any threat to his throne. And then in verse 9 and 10, we read this. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, here I prefer the English Standard Version translation, which reads, which reads they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Great joy, exactly what the angels had predicted. See, the wise men were searching. The wise men were on a journey. And when they found what they were looking for, when they found Jesus, when they found the Messiah, they rejoiced. They rejoiced, and rejoicing is an expression of great joy. They rejoiced at finding the Savior of the world. And friends, this life is a journey. Life is a journey. And we're all searching. We're all searching. And what most don't understand is what they are searching for is Jesus. And it's our job to point them in the way that they should go. We are their star, if you will. And our purpose is to shine the light and lead them to Jesus, the Savior. Life is a journey. Joy is a journey. Second thing I want us to know about joy, and this is probably the most important. No, it is the most important. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Unlike happiness which is dependent on our circumstances, joy is a choice. We see this in Mary's story. You know, we examined her encounter with the angel last week, and we said that her response to the message that the angels brought showed both faith and obedience. But, you know, if we read on, we actually see more. At the end of Luke chapter 1, if you want to flip over to that, we read about Mary visiting Elizabeth. And if you remember, Elizabeth was Zechariah's wife. And Zechariah had been visited by an angel who told him that Elizabeth would become pregnant. Talked about this last week. Well, at this point, Elizabeth is pregnant. And when Mary greets her, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy because it's filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth exclaims in a loud voice in verses 42 and following of Luke chapter 1, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, there's a couple things that I just want to pull out of this really quickly. First, we see that Elizabeth also shows great joy, the kind of joy that Mar or the faith, the kind of faith that Mary showed. Because she too believes the message that the angels brought to Mary. She believes that the baby that will be born will be the Lord. In verse 43, it says, my Lord. In other words, my God. 
And then Elizabeth goes on to say that Mary is blessed for her faith. Blessed for choosing to believe the message that God would do what he said he was going to do. But Mary not only chooses to believe, she makes another choice as well. If we read on in the following verses, sometimes referred to as Mary's song or the Magnificat, because Mary says in verses 46 to 48, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. It says Mary rejoiced. In other words, Mary chose joy despite her circumstances. And remember, this was not an easy time for her. It really wasn't. She wasn't married. And a pregnancy was considered scandalous. And we really can't be sure exactly where she was at with regard to her conversations with Joseph. Remember, before the angel appeared to him in the dream, he was looking to divorce Mary. He didn't want any part of this. These were challenging times for Mary. Yet she chose joy. Joy is a choice, and it is a choice that we face today. It's a choice that we face today, and and we face that choice regardless of what is going on in the world around us. The question is, do we choose joy? And look, I'm not saying that this is easy or this comes naturally, especially when we look at the world around us. We look at what happened down in Kentucky. How in the world can these people find joy? You can't find joy. Joy is a choice. But it's challenging. It's hard. But we look at the world. We look at the divisions. We look at the discord. We look at the disagreements. Or we look at our little worlds and the struggles and the challenges that we face every single day. We find it difficult, almost impossible to choose joy. And I'll be honest with you, friends. I was challenged this week. This is, this is a challenging time for me. Try to write a sermon on joy when you're struggling to find joy. But joy is a choice. As a matter of fact, we are commanded to choose joy. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul tells us, Rejoice! In other words, choose joy in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice! Choose joy! And what Paul is is in essence saying here is that joy, joy is not optional. Joy is not based on your circumstances. Joy is not some warm, fuzzy feeling that you wait to come over you. Joy is a choice. It is a must-have. And it's tough, right? It's tough. It's tough to let go of control. It's tough to trust God. But we choose to do that. 
Joy is a choice. Amazing example found in Hebrews chapter 12. There the writer of Hebrews compares our journey here on earth, and, and life is a journey, right? He compares our journey to a race, to an athletic competition. And he encourages us to persevere. He says, run with endurance. And then in verse 2, he tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Clearly, friends, clearly, as Jesus was facing his crucifixion, as Jesus was facing torture and being killed, he didn't find joy in that. There was no joy in his circumstances. But he was able to look past that suffering. And he looked forward to what God had promised him, the place of authority at the right hand of the throne of God, where he would rule and reign until he returns again to establish his eternal kingdom here on earth. The writer of Hebrews tells us to focus on that. This past summer we spent a lot of time looking at Colossians. In Colossians 3, Paul tells us something very similar. Very similar. He says there, Since then you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Because Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, because he lived a perfect life, and he died for us because he was raised again on the third day and ascended into heaven. We need to keep an eternal perspective. We need to keep our minds set on heaven, remembering that this, this earth, is not our home. We're transients. We're just passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. And in this Advent season, this Advent season, we look forward. We look forward to the day when, as Paul goes on to say in Colossians 3, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We choose to focus on eternity. We choose to set our minds on things above. We choose joy. We choose joy because joy, friends, true joy, do not miss this, is found in what Jesus offers you. True joy is found in what Jesus offers you. And that's really what this season is all about. The gifts of Christmas that Jesus offers. He offers hope. Hope not only in this life, but hope for our next life, life after death. And because of the hope that we have in Jesus, we can have peace. We can have that true shalom. We can have peace with God, peace within, 
peace with others for today, for today and for all eternity. Friends, the gifts that Jesus offers will bring you joy. Not just this Christmas season, but all year long. Choose joy. So just a couple of really quick questions here this morning before we wrap it up. There's food, I know. Hurry up, preacher. Let's go. It's time to eat. But I do want to ask you a couple of quick questions. Where are you at in your journey? Because life is a journey. Joy is a journey that leads ultimately to Jesus. Knowledge of Jesus as the Savior of the world. God's one and only Son sent to atone for your sins and for mine. And give us hope. Right? Hope that is found in nothing else. Jesus says in John 14, chapter 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what star are you following today? Are you following something in this world? Or are you following the truth that leads to Jesus? And if your journey has already led you to Jesus, where are you leading others? We can be stars that shine the light and lead the way to Jesus. Jesus spent his life teaching the gospel, leading others to the Father. May we be stars that teach and guide others to Christ and to salvation. And one last question. What about that choice that we talked about? We all have choices to make. Have you made your choice? Have you made your choice? See, there's really only two options. We either accept the gifts that Jesus offers or we reject them. You can place your faith in Him and receive the hope that He offers or spend an eternity separated from God in His everlasting shalom. Choose, friends, Jesus. Choose Jesus. I pray that we would. When we choose Jesus, we choose joy because joy is found in what Jesus offers you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the truth about Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you came 2,000 years ago, that you offer these gifts to everyone, to anyone who will accept them, to anyone who believes. Father, thank you. And I pray this holiday season that we would not be seeking our joy in the things of this world. But I pray, Lord, that we would choose joy, that we would choose to focus on Jesus, choose to focus on eternity, because joy is only found in you. Father, hear our prayer. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.